Hello and welcome back to Future Prairie Radio, where marginalized artists explore the future through the lens of the arts, humanities, and culture. I'm your host, Joni Whitworth, and this is Season 4, Episode 4, Everyday Feelings, with Sarah Merck. You should start with making something for yourself and then figure out what to share. Comics have the unique power to humanize the story. You know, you can actually see the people, the drawings of them, and, and the, you know, the houses they're living in and their clothes. It makes it seem more real. All history is subjective. You know, how your history is told always depends on the person who's, who's telling it. What historical record are we making right now? And who is a part of that record and, and who's left out? Sarah Merck is a visual journalist and author. She's an editor at The Nib, a web producer at the Center for Investigative Reporting, and a teacher. In addition to making her own comics and zines, she's written several books, including the new Guantanamo Voices, True Accounts from the World's Most Infamous Prison. She's interested in archives, and she spoke with us about representing marginalized voices as a method of writing future historic records. It's kind of a neat approach. And she tries to write the storyteller's version of history rather than capturing one quote-unquote true definitive history. I really loved her approach and I think you'll enjoy what she has to say about journalism. Here's Sarah. Well hi my name is Sarah Merck. I'm a visual journalist and I live in Portland, Oregon. I do a bunch of different kinds of work. I work as an editor for The Nib. We publish political comics and nonfiction comics, both online and in a print magazine that's all, all comics all the time. I also work as a web producer for Reveal from the Center for Investigative Reporting, where I both write nonfiction comics and uh, upload photos to the website and do more art direction. And then I make zines and comics on my own. I'm kind of an obsessive zine maker and comics artist and constantly drawing. And I also write books. So I've written a couple different books on a, bunch, on a couple different topics that are interesting to me, but the big one that comes out this year is called Guantanamo Voices, Two Accounts from the World's Most Infamous Prison. And it's a collection of illustrated oral histories from people who have spent time at Guantanamo Bay in, in different capacities. Well, I, I work in so many different mediums, you know, and I think the work that I do myself as a as a cartoonist and as a scene maker feels a little bit different than my editing work. When I'm an editor, I'm really working on bringing someone else's story to publication and to a wider audience. So I put myself kind of in the background and I'm more looking at like, okay, what are the pieces of the story that need to fit together? Is there main point coming through? Are there holes in the story that I know that readers are going to be asking? And in that case, I'm really seeing as like, okay, how can how can I support this writer or this artist in like getting their vision for a story that they want to tell to publication? And it's not about me. It's about like, okay, let me, let me support you in like making sure that your point is clear, that your narrative is clear, and that when people read it, they have all their questions answered by the end. And what's the best way to do that? What's the best way to approach that? So as an editor, I'm always thinking about like, okay, what are the gaps? And what is this person really trying to say? What's the heart of their story? And how can we bring that out? Then when I make comics and zines, a lot of that's about my own perspective and my own lens. So I really 
do like to draw and write about my own life and my own experiences. And that's kind of the energy that I put into the comics that I make. It's usually stuff that I've seen or stuff that I've experienced or stuff that is, is on my mind that I'm thinking about. There's not any particular like focused topic. It's kind of all over the place because I'm curious about a lot of stuff. I'm interested in a lot of stuff and I care about a lot of stuff. About 10 years ago, I had the idea to do a series of comics about Oregon history that would tell little known and marginalized stories from Oregon's past in the form of comics. And so I um, decided we'd do 10 different stories and I reported each of them and then had a different artist draw them and we published them with a nonprofit called Know Your City. And those came out like 10, geez, 10 years ago now or something. And uh, maybe eight years ago. And that series has had a way longer life than I ever expected it to. But it came from the same kind of feeling about, okay, how are we going to be talking about right now, 20 years from now? So when I started those, it was in 2010. And in Portland, it felt like our history was changing really, really rapidly. The city was changing really fast. And that something that happened 15 years ago felt like ancient history. You know, people were talking about like, places they'd been to that had closed, the demographic shift with gentrification in the city, you know, how like, especially black and brown Portlanders had been pushed out to the like city limits and that all of this was happening so fast. So I felt like, oh geez, if 15 years ago is ancient history, like what are we gonna think of, you know, the year 2010, 15 years in, in 2025. And so that's part of why I started doing that Oregon History Comics series was to kind of, help introduce people to the history of the place, especially people who had just moved to Portland and um, didn't grow up learning the history of the city. But then even then, people who grew up here, like the history isn't always very good. That's taught or very inclusive. So trying to do a real more like an oral history focused approach to telling a history of a place. I was thinking of yeah, the audience of those as being just like anyone who is interested in learning about why the city is the way that it is you know, and to figure that out, you have to do a ton of legwork of like reading really thick books and like talking to a bunch of people. So I was wanted to make it really accessible and easy to engage with. And then also one other way I love talking about history is through comics is that it's very clear that those are made by people. You know, it's not presenting a, a canonical view of history that's like told by some sort of voice of authority saying, I'm the expert and here is the history of this place. It's definitive. You know, comics make it very clear that this is written by a person, drawn by a person, and it's all subjective, which all history is subjective. You know, how your history is told always depends on the person who's, who's telling it. And, and the biases and experiences and, and perspectives of that person that shapes their lens. And I think that's something that comes through really clearly when you're drawing comics is like, okay, you can see the handmade element of this. You can see that this person has a lens that they're sharing. And they're not pretending to, to be definitive in any way. That was part of my goal with, with the Oregon History Comics series. And part of what I really try to capture in, in all of the more historical focused work I do is like, this is a story that we're telling about this. It's very focused on people's personal experiences. It's not trying to be generalized. It's not trying to say that it's every angle on it. And it's certainly not trying to be definitive, you know, especially with, with writing a book, the Guantanamo Voices book. I had to tell myself over and over, like, 
I, this is the book that I am making. I'm making the choices here about what goes in and what doesn't and how to frame these and what to cut and what to keep and how to tell this history. I am sure that somebody else would make entirely different choices. I'm sure that I would make different choices if I was writing this book in 10 years, you know? And so I think as, as a historian, really, I have to be like, okay, what's my lens? What's going into it? Um, and, and what choices am I making here? And, and try to keep that front and center in my mind rather than being like, all right, I've done it. I've told the definitive story. You know, especially with topics that are really complicated and thorny, it, I think both as a reader, I want to know what people's personal experiences are. And like, oh, what did the person think going through that? What do they feel? What were they worried about? I want to know like the emotional reality of, of what happened. And then as somebody who's trying to document what's happening, I feel like, like you really fall into a lot of traps and a lot of pitfalls when you're trying to say like, you know, here's the definitive story of what happened rather than like, okay, I've, I've, I can share this person's experiences, this person's experiences, this person's experiences, and see the patterns between them and also see um, what's missing. Guantanamo Voices, um, it's a collection of illustrated oral histories. So I interviewed 10 different people who have spent time at Guantanamo Bay, the prison, in different capacities, including military service members, people who have been incarcerated there, lawyers, and then I asked 10 different comics artists to illustrate their stories. So Guantanamo Voices is a collection of those um, nonfiction comics documenting people's experiences at the prison. I mean, I did a bunch of different jobs on Guantanamo Voices. I pitched the book, it was my idea, and then I did all the research and, and reporting on it. So I interviewed all the people. I took their transcripts and turned those transcripts into the scripts for the comics and then worked really collaboratively with the artists to create the, the stories that are told and that are, that are in the book. So I was both kind of an editor and a reporter and like an art director. It comes out in September from Abrams Books. So I'm hoping it'll be in schools and in libraries and all over the country and really like change the, the cultural conversation and, the, and our, our narratives around Guantanamo. Last year I was doing a project where I was making a zine every day and posting it on Instagram and on Twitter. And so I made 365 zines in a year. And now I am like not that excited about being on Instagram every day. <laughs> so I've been doing more work that's not online. So actually I've been writing a lot more letters and postcards. And right now I'm doing a project where I'm, um, I'm writing down a delightful thing every day. And I've been mailing those out as postcards. And that's inspired by the book by Ross Gay, The Book of Delights. And in that book, he writes a little essay every day about some sort of like mundane, delightful thing in his life. And that as a collection is so beautiful that I was like, wow, I feel like compelled to try and appreciate what we have right now because it, the situation is so bleak and I feel so constantly stressed out and overwhelmed by like politics and massive death and not sure where we're going and not sure what's going to happen next and not sure what my role is in that. And just like completely uncertain about all things in the world that it's been really like good to take time to just write out like, okay, what's something that I appreciate and, and to be able to mail that to somebody else to kind of create that sense of connection.
my thing is if you send me a letter, I'll definitely write you one back. And I have my, I have a PO box and I have it up on my website. So I get like random zines and letters from people every once in a while. And I, I love that. I think a lot about like, as a historian, really, about how we're going to be examining this time in 30 years and 40 years and 50 years. Like, what what are we going to be talking about this era in the future and whose voices are going to be part of that record? That's part of why I really like being a journalist is because I feel like I can help shape that future historical record. So what kind of stuff do we read from the past? You know, we look at photos, we can look at newspapers, we can hopefully look at books people have published, we can look at anything that people have published. But those kind of like, like private conversations or parts of people's private lives don't get documented and, and we don't know anything about them. And so I think a lot of my work is kind of trying to capture those everyday feelings that I think go undocumented and and are, are missing from the historical record. And hopefully I can put them into our future historical record. That's part of why I love, I publish scenes like online, but also I make paper copies of all of them. And my greatest joy is when my zines wind up in a library or in an archive of some kind. And I'm like, yes, they are there for the future historians to read about my like everyday thoughts. And so that's something I think about a lot is really like what, what historical record are we making right now and who is a part of that record and and who's left out this spring i taught a media studies class at portland community college and it was all people who were like geez ages like 19 to 25 and we were talking about the protests and i was like go document 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 in whatever way feels right to you whether that's taking photos or making a video or um, doing drawings or doing writing and then like share that documentation somewhere so that it's not kept just on your phone, but can become part of like the the larger conversation about this era, not just for now, but for the future, you know, like how are we going to be seeing these protests 50 years from now? I hope that everyone doesn't keep their own photos just on their phone and they never become part of like the, you know, the record that we can actually view, but can we can get sort of more of that, like the, the feelings and ideas and thoughts that regular people were having at the time, rather than just politicians whose voices are recorded. Well, I love writing postcards. So I would recommend getting some postcards and writing them. That might sound silly, but it's actually a really great way to get out of your head because you're writing for a very specific audience. So, and because you're limited by the size of the card, it's, it's less overwhelming than staring down a blank page. So if I'm, I'm not sure what to write, I write a letter, I write a postcard. And then um, it's basically a form of free writing that helps you think through your feelings and then share it with a very specific audience. So that's an exercise that I love. And then the other thing that I do is just make something without the intention of publishing it, specifically about my own life. So I draw a lot of like diary comics, uh, documenting like funny things my partner said, or funny things I've been thinking about and there's no pressure to be like, okay, I have to make a certain thing for the certain publication. I feel like, you know, that pressure can be helpful when you're trying to make a very specific kind of work. But if you're trying to be just like, oh, I just want to explore what I'm feeling right now, or I'm not sure what to make and I'm not sure how to do it. 
I think like documenting something in your own life um, in whatever way feels fun to you without the pressure of publishing it is, is really good. So I love drawing diary comics. That's this, that's what I would recommend, which means just drawing something um, from your day or something you thought about. The artist Linda Berry, who's definitely somebody I look to as inspiration, has a really great exercise um, where she has her students um, write down stuff they overhear during the day and then write down and then draw stuff that they saw during the day. So literally just like draw stuff that you saw during the day. And that can help create a record of what you were experiencing. And that can maybe be the seed of like, um, of something bigger, you know, why was your eye drawn to those things? That thing you overheard, what did that make you think about? Maybe that's the seed of a story or maybe that's the seed of a comic or maybe that's the seed of a, of a scene that you'll create in the future. Um, but to take away the pressure of like, I need to make this and then I need to publish it on Instagram immediately. You should start with making something for yourself and then figure out what to share. You can check out Sarah's art and maybe get one of her books at merkwork.com. That's M-I-R-K-W-O-R-K.com. And she also said, if you ever want to swap zines or send postcards, she always writes back. And you can send her a letter or a gift or a treat or a zine you found on the street at Merkwork, P.O. Box 14612 in Portland, Oregon, 97293. This episode was sponsored by the Oregon Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, the Multnomah County Cultural Coalition, the Kenton Action Plan, North Portland Community Works, and the Oregon Cultural Trust. Thank you so much for your sponsorship. The episode was written and produced by me, Joni Whitworth, and edited by Matt Larimer. The music for this episode was written and produced by Standing On End. Check them out at standingonend.bandcamp.com or on Instagram at standingonend. If you have any questions or feedback about the show, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out at futureprairie.com or on social media at futureprairie. Thanks so much.